I love that y'all gassed me up. I love it. If you saw on the screen, we're in a series, a little short series, a little pop-up series uh, called God Understands. And uh, if you heard the the voiceover, uh, we all kind of just want to be understood, right? right? I remember when I was y'all's age, and I went through an emo phase. You know, I was, a, I was a real emo, okay? You're not emo unless you, like, straighten your hair and wear two studded belts, okay? Like, I painted my nails black, right? My hair is like, swoop, did he swoop, right? Jonathan Palomo understands. Other Jonathan, y'all, they get it. The Jonathans know, right? I wore band t-shirts back when Hot Topic was just about music and not about Invader Zim and Disney princesses and Harry Potter, you know what I'm saying? Like back when it was like, back when y'all were Christian, you know what I'm saying? And were, back when you weren't supposed to go into Hot Topic because your mom said it was demonic, right? Like you low-key didn't want to go into Hot Topic back then because, you know, it was like, wow, uh, all it sounds like is, and you're like, oh my, oh my gosh, that's music. And, and I'm in there like, yes, like that's me. Moshing by myself in my bedroom. I was, I just, my, my, my dad was like, why are you painting your nails? I'm like, Cause, you know, it's, it's in, dad. Hair flip. Just, you don't, you don't what? You don't get it. You don't understand me. You don't understand me. And then I, and then I was in a, then I wanted to be in a pop punk band and just talk about how I hated my hometown and I wanted to leave. And my mom and dad doesn't understand me. Like they all sound like that. (laughs) You know, we want to be understood. Also, how about this? You ever get into an argument, right? And you like go back and forth, right? And then the argument's over and then you walk away and then like you're like in the shower like that night and then you start thinking about all the stuff you should have said. You're like, dang, why didn't I think about that then? That would that would have been spicy. That would have been zesty. I would have been able to, to snap back at him. You know what I'm saying? Right? You think of you think of all the good comebacks after the argument. Who else is like that? I'm like, man, why can't I be on the fly like that? I just want to fight. So like I'm not gonna argue with you, we could just fight. What about what about like if you have a crush? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> crush, 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 right? You know, you got a crush, stop that. I didn't stop that. What's yeah, and you're wearing a marine shirt. Oh my gosh. All right. So you, you, you got a crush. You ever, like, try to, like, spit game? You know, you know, and you try to say something, and then you end up sounding, like, really doofus, right? You sound like a, do, you sound like a dweeb, right? You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and then you walk away, and you're, like, you put your foot in your mouth. Like, you try to compliment them, but it comes out like an insult. Like, hey, yeah, you, like, you look, like, you like, healthy and, like, big. And, you know, like, and the girl's, like, did you just? Call me big? Yeah, but not like big, you know, big. Like, you're not fat, but if you were like, that'd still be okay. But like, you're not, you know what I'm saying? I, I did that one time. I didn't really say that she was fat, but she made me apologize in front of the entire college at lunch. It was my now wife, your pastor, Pastor Ariel. Uh, I put my foot, I put my foot in my mouth trying to be flirty and cute, and I ended up insinuating that she couldn't fit in the jeans that I was wearing and her and her girl gang at the table, did you just call her fat? And I was like, oh, no, no, I did it. And they're like, yes, you did. So I literally, right, true story, right? I got on my knees. She made me. Her best friend, Cassie, like, what? She was like, 
Well, first of all, she started. She was like, I was wearing skinny jeans, right? She was like, are you wearing your sister jeans? I was like, you couldn't even fit in your sister jeans. And and she took that as a fat joke. And so it wasn't. But she said it was. So whatever. She's right. I'm wrong. So her best friend, Cassie, who was like in my face about it, like I was not going to mess with her. She was like, you better apologize and get on your knees right now. So I did. Got on my knees, apologized. But it was awful, right? So then I walked with that guilt of like talking, like just saying that. For years, it's been a thing. She'd be like, remember when you called me fat? And like, I did it, right? It's a constant argument. What about, what about an argument where you say things that you don't mean? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, like you're just in the heat of the argument and that word, that one word, that's low-key your favorite word and it shouldn't be flies out of your mouth and like you like you wish you could catch it but it already did or that or that thing that you said about that person to their face right and and then and then after that when all is said and done you walk around with this guilt of the words that you said moments like that where people say things that they don't mean or they put their foot in, in their mouth and they're a little overzealous and they kind of carry that guilt around of like, man, I shouldn't have said that or I should have said that. Reminds me of Peter. Peter is awesome. I think Peter and I would have been friends and we would have gotten into a lot of trouble together, all right? Peter reminds me of my twin and I growing up. My twin and I were like the Bash Bros, all right? We, we were so bad. <laughs> like, we got kicked out of every Sunday school class ever, Okay. One time for Digimon cards, which I'm still trying to figure that out, all right? <laughs> but it reminds me of Peter, because here's something. Peter is the most outspoken disciple, right, out of all of them. Right? Peter is the first to open his mouth, whether he thought about what he was going to say or not. How many of you, that's you? Like, stuff just comes out of your mouth, and you probably should have thought about it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. If you have a sibling here, don't point at them, all right? That's mean. Peter was very zealous, which often got him... It's a trouble. It's, it's awesome reading about Peter. But no one ever doubted Peter's love for Jesus. In this passage we're about to read, because we're going to get into God's word, I promise. Uh, we're going to see yet another moment where Peter deals with the consequences of his actions, this time being guilt. Let's read Matthew 26, 69 through 75. If you've got your Bible, I'll wait for you. Get your glow Bible out. I want everybody to read along. If you don't have your Bible out, we got one on the skies. This is a sky Bible. Throw it up. Bow. It says this. It says this. I'm ready. Y'all ready for God's word? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. SpongeBob. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, everybody say again. He denied it with an oath. With an oath, he says. He says, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up, to, came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear. Ooh, bad words. He says, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. 
Verse 75, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. God, this is your word, not mine. I didn't write this, you did. So God, don't allow me to communicate this in a way that you didn't intend it to be communicated. I'm asking you, God, to speak through your word because this is so much more than pages or words on a screen. It's alive. It's you. It's your heart. It's your heart for us. It's a story of how you love us still. So tonight, God, use this passage and use me and use this room to do whatever you want to do, God. We believe for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before this, just before this part of the story here where we see Peter do something that's almost kind of not like him, in a sense. Before this, they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus tells the crew that he's going to get arrested. He's pretty simple at this point. Jesus wasn't speaking in parables this time. He's like, listen, I'm going to get arrested, and y'all are going to dip out. Pretty much. I'm going to get arrested, and y'all are going to run away and leave me. Peter, in all of his Peter awesomeness, like overwhelmed with emotion, was like, not me. Jesus, I'm here. Me, staying next to you. Jesus is like, Peter, you think so? Yes. He even says like, like, even if it means that I'll, if I have to die, I'm with you, Jesus. Right? We've all kind of had those friends with us, right? We got those ride or die friends. I'm with you. I'm with you. But sometimes when it hits the fan, where are they at? You know what I'm saying? Where are they at? This is a moment where Peter is overwhelmed with emotion. And, and Jesus' response was, by the end of the night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going you're gonna to deny me. What do I mean by that? What does scripture mean? He says, meaning you will tell people you don't know me, that we aren't friends, that I'm a stranger to you. Peter obviously caught up in his emotions, let this kind of go over his head. Like, not me. No, I'm, I'm ride or die with you. As he repeated his undying faithfulness to Jesus, he didn't get it. But what we see in this passage that we just read, Jesus' words came true. He has now denied Jesus. He has now, on three separate occasions, got bullied by a little servant girl, by two servant girls, bullying him. Says, no, I don't know Jesus, what happens when he does this? Not once, not twice, but three times. The Bible says, and he went out and wept bitterly. Tonight I want to talk to you about guilt. It's something we all deal with at one point or another. And so our main point is this. God understands when you feel overwhelmed with guilt. God understands when you feel overwhelmed with guilt, guilt from our actions, our words, our lack of action, or our lack of words, right? Because like we can feel guilty for doing stuff, or we can feel guilty for not doing stuff. I should have stepped, like you walk around, you see somebody getting bullied, I, I, I could have said something. Or you're the bully. And you go home and you're like, man, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. This is the type of guilt I'm talking about. Guilt is a part of life, whether we like it or not. But before we look at what to do with guilt 
and to answer some of the questions that guilt brings, I want to look at the definitions of guilt. I like looking up the definition of things. I think it opens up our eyes. So what, what's guilt? Look at these definitions. Throw it on the screen. It says this, the state of one who has committed an offense, watch this, especially consciously, not by accident. They consciously made a decision to do something offensive. How about this? Feelings of deserving blame, especially for imagined offenses or from a sense of inadequacy. This last one, a feeling of deserving blame for offenses. This is guilt. You feel deserving of that emotion. You feel deserving of the blame. I deserve this. So like, guilt is not conviction. Guilt and conviction are not the same. Satan likes to use that uh, to confuse us and to keep us wrapped in guilt. Guilt has a way of making us feel deserving of the blame. Guilt says this, because of what you did or didn't do, you should feel this way. You should feel this way. You deserve this. This is all you. Can't blame anybody else. This is your fault. Guilt, guilt is a heavy weight. It weighs heavy. If you've ever felt guilty at some point in your life, you, you almost can feel it like in your chest. You know what I mean? Like you ever felt so guilty you almost can't breathe, you can't think. It just, it just weighs on you. This is guilt. You can almost feel it in your body, but we ourselves got us into this mess. We did it. We deserve it, right? We consciously make decisions that lead us to guilt. I oftentimes think, I, I oftentimes think about um, things in my life that I should and shouldn't have done. I, 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 I think about the times I felt guilt in my life. I, I think about these things. I'm going to be transparent with you tonight and tell you um, I deal with guilt all the time. All the time. It's just, it's just something I deal with. The things that I've done, they constantly flash in my mind. I didn't, I wasn't always a pastor. I wasn't always saved. I wasn't always a believer. And those things kind of just pop up. And I was, I was on the way back from a Bulls game with Pastor Joey. And we were just talking. And, and I was telling him a story. And then I realized, I was like, why do I remember that? Well, it's rooted in guilt. And in the car ride, I, I thought of this, this series because he said, yeah, I understand that. I understand that. And I was like, I wonder if God understands. I wonder if God understands how I'm feeling. I deal with guilt. But the Bible reminds me that my life doesn't have to be run by guilt, but by grace. That my life doesn't have to be surrounded by guilt. It doesn't have to be surrounded by shame. It can be led by grace. Here are three questions at some point in my life I asked. And, and I needed God to answer these questions because the guilt was weighing so heavy on me. I needed answers. Anybody in here need answers? I need answers. And I believe the Bible answers these. Here's the first question. Maybe you've, you've asked this. Maybe even tonight. Is God disappointed in me when I've done wrong? For some of us, we would rather have our parents yell 
or even hit us, then say, I'm disappointed in you, right? Like, I would rather my, my mom and at the time my dad to, like, throw me in a trash can and lock me away than my dad look at me in the face and be like, man, I'm just disappointed in you, right? Is that anybody else? Like, that just, that hurts way more. And so the thought, the thought of, like, God being my heavenly father, being a dad, I wonder if I disappoint God. I wonder if he gets disappointed by what I do. I want to read you Psalm 130, verses 3 through 4. This is us answering those questions with the Bible. It says this, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I like the message version. It says this, If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? As it turns out, I love this. Forgiveness is your habit. And that's why you're worshipped. God knows you. <laughs> you want to know what helps us believe that God isn't disappointed in us? Because he knows you. And he knows that we sin. And he's not surprised by your sin. That's where disappointment comes from, right? Like your parents hold you to the standard, and when you don't meet it, it's like, ah, to them. It's like a surprise. It's like, oh, I can't believe, I'm just disappointed in you. I had the standard, and God's like, no, listen, you couldn't do it. So I sent my son who could do it. And because of him, when I look at you, I see him. (laughs) So God's not disappointed in you. I just want, this is very simple, but I just, I want to release you tonight. No matter what you've done, or are doing, God is not disappointed in you. You want to know what his habit is? Forgiveness, it says. <laughs> I love, I love, that's a good word. It's a good word. He knows your sin. He's not surprised by you. God sees you as his son, as his daughter, who he loves unconditionally. Guilt keeps you trapped in disappointment. Guilt keeps you trapped in disappointment. But grace frees you to go and sin no more. God understands. Say that. God understands. Here's a second question that I asked myself dealing with guilt growing up is this. How do I confess my guilt slash sin to God? Right. Okay. So now I know I did something bad. Listen, y'all are at the age where you know what is bad and what is good. All right. You know. Don't steal from a 7-Eleven and get caught. I didn't. No, you didn't know. All right? That is not yours. Stop. Put the hot Cheetos down. All right? The flaming Hot Funyuns. All right? Where's the Naya? See, I, I, see the, the flaming Hot uh, Funyuns, the Takis. Put them down. You know. Right? So, like, we know that we're sinning. We know. And it's weighing heavy on us. And, and, and now that we've acknowledged, what do we do with it? What do we do? What do I do with guilt? Well, we confess it. Look at Psalm 51, verse 1 through 2. It says this. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Here's the message version. Because I like the message version because it doesn't use big words. All right? It says this. Generous in love. God, give grace. Huge in mercy. 
Wipe out my bad record. I love that. It says, scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry. <laughs> I love the message version. It says, I know how, how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. How do we confess? It starts with recognizing our guilt and our sin, then bring it to God, then release it to God. I know I'm a sinner. Here's my guilt. Release it. Too many times we come into the altar, and we've heard this. Every teenager evangelist, I've heard this. But it's so true. It rings true today. So many times we come to the altar, and we take out our guilt and our sin and our shame, and we lay it down and say, Jesus, you can have it. And then right after the last song ends, we pick it back up, we put it in our pocket, and we go on our way, and we leave the same. I'm talking about release it. Release it. Really, like if this is guilt and my, and my contacts <laughs> and my guitar pick, this is guilt. Release it. Release it. Throw it away. Give it to God. He can handle it. He's big enough to do it. It's that, it's that simple. I know it's, it's just like we try to really try to make these things harder than it is. But God's already forgiven you. Part of it is forgiving yourself. And that comes with, release it. It happened. You did it. Release it. God wants to help you. Guilt latches onto us like a leech. And it sucks the, the love and the life out of us. Confessing our sin not only opens up our hearts to him, but it allows God to remove the guilt. We, we can't release something that we're not willing to offer up. He can't take it from us if we don't give it to him. And if we don't, if we hold on to it, it'll suck the life out of us. It'll weigh us down. But you see, God understands. Say that, God understands. The last question is this. <clears throat> is God willing to forgive me? Is God willing to forgive me? For so many years I've battled with this. Is God willing? Is he tired of me yet? When will be my last straw for him? When is the last straw? When is he just going to call it quits? Because I just seem to not be able to get it right. I just keep messing up. I wonder if he's willing to forgive me. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the message version. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, simply just come clean about them, he won't let us down. Ah, I love that. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. Some of you deal with guilt. And I just want you to know that God is willing to forgive you. Do you know that you don't have to carry that anymore? You don't. How, Pastor Izzy, how did you be able to kind of get past the guilt? Things that you've done. I finally realized that I don't have to carry it anymore. 
I don't have to carry it anymore. Guilt and shame, it lies to you. It says, I'm a part of you now. I'm a part of you now. And there's no getting rid of me. So here's what, you're, here's what we're going to do. You are going to uh, pretty much uh, be a slave to me. And I'm going to affect your mood. And you're really not going to have a say about it. And you're not going to be able to trust anyone uh, because you can't even trust yourself. And so you're going to be isolated. So it's just going to be me and you. It's what guilt does. But you don't have to be a friend to guilt. You can be a friend to Jesus. You can be a friend to God who loves you, who wants to remove that guilt, that shame. I believe when we confuse, we talked about this earlier, conviction and, and guilt, what happens is Satan likes to use that. But what's, what's I, I like this. I, I pulled this from a quote that, that basically says that guilt is not who we are. And to understand the difference between conviction and guilt, it says the ultimate goal of conviction is to shape you into a better person and follower of Christ. Whereas the ultimate goal of guilt is to make you feel hopeless, worthless, and loveless as possible. Guilt leaves out the critical step of what? Turning. That allows you to change for the better instead of dwelling on our mistakes. So what's the difference? Guilt guilt says you're trapped. Conviction offers you the opportunity to turn from your sin. And what's conviction? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in you that's saying that you shouldn't do that. You should stop doing that. That's going gonna, that's gonna to hurt. You're going to have to carry that. There's a way out. There's a way out of this. So what's conviction? It's God saying, hey, you can turn from this. But guilt... And shame says that there's no way, there's no way out. If I can have the, the team come up. I'm not going to end there. That's hopeless. And I want to give you hope tonight and that person is Jesus. But let's go back to Peter. Peter's story with Jesus comes to this moment. After he weeps bitterly, he says, Bible says, Weeps bitterly. He just denied his closest, his best friend. And now there's a moment where Jesus has shown himself after the resurrection to the disciples a few times. Peter's out fishing. Jesus comes and he makes them breakfast. By the way, I bet you it was like the most fire breakfast ever. If Jesus is making breakfast, you bet it's better than IHOP. It's better than Wildberry. It's better than Yolk. It's better than uh, Batters and Berries, all the good breakfast places. It's better than Cracker Barrel. And I love Cracker Barrel, guys. I love Cracker Barrel. Best pancakes in the world. Jesus is making pancakes. He invites the guys over. He's sitting with them. And I wonder, I wonder if, if Jesus and Peter sitting down, I wonder if Jesus could just sense that there's still a little guilt in Peter. Because this, this moment that's about to happen, it's kind of like, you know, awkward Jesus again. They're just hanging out, having breakfast. He, he, he goes, hey, um, Peter, do you love me? Peter, yes. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Okay, all right. 
Peter, yes, Jesus, do you you love me? Peter's like, yes, yes, of course I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. For the third time, hey, Peter, yes, yes, Jesus. Hey, do you love me? Peter, kind of upset, he's like, you know I love you. With everything, I love you. With everything. He goes, great, feed my sheep. How many times did Jesus, sorry, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus reaffirm Peter? Jesus is in the business of wiping the slate clean. You deny me three times? Great. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call you three times. I'm going to remove the guilt from you. I love what he does. He calls him. He reminds him of his purpose and says, follow me again. The way that Jesus is talking to Peter is almost the same exact way when he first met him. Follow me. So how do we deal with guilt? How do we deal with shame? As we confess our sins and as we release it unto God, great. But what does he do for us? How does he understand this? He's saying, I'm going to reaffirm you. He's like, you're not your sin. You are not your addiction. You are not the crime you you committed. You are not the diagnosis that they gave you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Peter, I've called you for this. Feed my sheep. Peter went on to be one of the most influential disciples as they start the early church. Release the guilt. God understands us. I want to read you one last, one last verse that shows you how God understands you. Because God does. God knows how you feel. It says this, Psalm 139, 13 through 16 in the message version. It says, oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. Psalm 139 is God saying, I know everything about you. I made you. I know the number of hairs on your head. I know what you like. I know what you don't like. I know what gets on your nerves. I know what makes you smile. I know what makes you feel loved. I know what makes you feel valuable. I know what hurts your feelings. I know what makes you feel isolated. Psalm 139 saying, even before you were born, I knew you. So does God understand? Yes. God understands you. He understands how you're feeling. And guilt and shame, it has no part. When God designed you, 
He didn't weave into the fabric of your life guilt. It's not part of it. So if it's not in you, but it's on you, what can go on you can come off of you. I don't know what you did. I know what I did. And some things I wish I could take back. But it's over and it's done. And holding on to it, it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything for me. And so I'm like, God, I need, like, if this isn't from you, then I don't want it. It's not going to help me. Peter, denying Jesus is huge. You're like, how could Peter do it? You do it. Every time we sin, every time we make that mistake over and over and over again, you know what we do? We deny Jesus. But I'm so thankful that every time we deny Jesus, God reaffirms that we're his kid, that I'm his son, that you're his daughter, that there's nothing in this world that could separate you from his love. That's what he does. That's how God understands. And if you're here tonight and you're carrying the weight of guilt and the weight of shame, I'm here to remind you it's not you. And I'm sorry you did it. And I'm sorry it happened. But you need to let it go. And you need God to, to, to give you the grace that you need. That, that's what's going to sustain you. Holding on to the guilt. It's not going to sustain you. It's going to drown you. But grace, it brings about life. It's a gift. And just like every gift, you have to receive it. You can't unless your arms are already full of guilt. If, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you tonight, and you say, Pastor, I'm really sorry for what I did and what I'm doing. And I'm trying my best not to do it anymore, but I just kind of keep falling back into old habits and I feel like God's disappointed in me and he might not be willing to be my friend anymore. I'm here to tell you that's not true. I'm here to tell you that the guilt that you carry, you don't have to carry it anymore, that Jesus carried that guilt in the shape of a cross. And he died on that cross for you. So that guilt and shame won't be a ruler in your life anymore. That's the gospel. The gift of grace over guilt. If that's you and you say, Pastor Izzy, I need to release this guilt in my life. I want you to come to the altar. I want everyone to stand as we stand right here. I want to invite you to the altar. If that's you. And you need to kneel at this altar and say, God, I don't want to carry this anymore. I don't want to be this way anymore. And I really need your help to do it because I feel bad and I'm tired of feeling bad all the time. So if that's you, because that's me, can you join me at the altar? Can you join me at the altar? Lord, we don't want to carry our guilt anymore. It hurts to do so. Come on, if there's anybody else, I'm going to give you time. Because this is, 
This is something that I don't want to push past because this right here will keep you from all that God has for you because guilt makes you feel like you're undeserving of it. But you are deserving of a second chance. You're deserving of a second chance. You're deserving of a clean start. You deserve it. Why? Because you're God's. He loves you. And that voice that's in your head right now that's saying, you don't deserve it. It's a lie. It's a lie. I'm here to tell you, you deserve a second chance. If you want a second chance, a third chance, if you are on your 99th chance with God, it's better than none. Come to the front as we sing, as we respond to this. Lord, we love you. We respond to you now.